A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA. Welcome to the Locavore Podcast. I'm Ros White and this is the podcast where we dig deep into the stories behind the hundreds of locally sourced, artisan, bespoke and innovative products available to you in one location at White's IGA on the Sunshine Coast. Our Locavore program was officially launched in 2013 to showcase and highlight to our customers where their food and all the goodies come from and help to connect them to the families who create it. Horses, cattle, guinea pigs, fish, birds, dogs, animals find their way into your heart. So much so that they become a part of your family. And we find this deep inclination to want to spoil them rotten. Such is the case for my next guest. Possessing such an immense love of animals, having been a massive, massive part of their lives, created a range of unique pet treats, ranging from gourmet meat and baked goodies, lollies, soft, small and hard treats, cake, snuffle balls and mats. Imagine how happy this has made so many of our furry friends. Russell and Emma Gibbons share in this delight as the founders and innovators of Hudson Tote, an award-winning Sunshine Coast-based manufacturing company located at Coolum Beach. I am delighted to have Emma join me today. Welcome, Emma. Thank you, Roz. I'm excited to be here too. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Yeah. Snuffle balls. <laughs> yeah, they're the ideal little play toy for inside where you can hide your Hudson Toke treats in and oh, throw it. them around the house. And who gets to name, who named it a snuffle ball? Oh, a snuffle ball? I don't know. <laughs> I think because the dogs snuffle inside them. <laughs> it's a cracking name. I love it. But basically Hudson Toke is a pet treat, doggy pet heaven on earth. Even my mouth salivates at some of the absolute treats and delicious treats that you've created. What's your biggest seller? Probably all our baked treat range, especially in the birthday kind of cakes, birthday bones, because people love to celebrate that special moment with their dog. And obviously donuts, because who doesn't like a donut? And they get to share that moment with their dog and their coffee time as well. So yeah. Unbelievable. So you can go out and have a, well, you can have a puppuccino and a donut or a birthday cake with your pet. I just think that's, and they are, they're part of our family, aren't they? Oh, 100%. And and why not treat them? That's what we want to do when we love someone, lavish love and treats on them. The name Hudson Toke, what was the inspiration behind that as a name for this brand of creation of unique pet treats? Yeah. So um, my husband and I really wanted to start up a retail brand and give it a go in the real world, so to speak. And we struggled trying to think of a name and we had our son with his imaginary dragons. Toke was his number one dragon and Huds was his number two dragon that used to travel with us everywhere. And he was playing with them behind us at the table and we're like, hmm, maybe we could call it Huds and Toke. And to us, it created a blank canvas of being able to diversify into a range of things because no one could really create a picture in their head of what Hudson Toke looked like. So it wasn't like a Molly, which is that annoying barking, yapping dog that the neighbour has. (laughs) Sorry Um, to all the Mollies in the world. (laughs) (laughs) So we just wanted to create a name that we could mould into anything and that provided us that. And so it's a really 
personal, family-orientated name. Which I love. I mm. love that. And it's great when you can interweave those stories and your inspiration comes from your family and the people around you that you love so much. Was there any pressure on you to create a dragon treat? No. Originally, our logo actually had a cat dragon and a dog dragon on it. And it looked really gothic. Mm. <laughs> so we had to cut it back down and that's where we came up with the shield because it still had that European yeah. kind of feel from back when the dragons were around yeah. in the world. And all the imagination. Yeah. There's so much imagination gone into what you have created and, mm. and that's the uniqueness that is Hudson Toke. Creating this gorgeous, beautiful range of goodies to spoil our pets and help celebrate their milestones yeah. and a birthday cake for a horse. We go and give them a carrot. Why not a birthday cake? It's- yeah. Well, horses are becoming such a massive part of people's lives as well. I think even like though a lot of people don't ride, they'll still own a horse to be their backyard family member, so to speak, even. I've never been to a horse's birthday party. What's it like? Is there a piñata? Do you blow out the candles or how do you unwrap the presents with the hooves? <laughs> so I, I think quite a lot of the girls even put party hats on their horses yeah. and make it a big moment for their horse because, yeah, horses are such a special part of many little girls' lives and that goes on into womanhood as well And because horses live for 30 years. Yeah, that's but, right. That's yeah. so true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah they're such a massive part of their lives. And with the horse treats, so much more is based around training horses these days rather than just having them out in the paddock. So it enables that bond to be created so much Mm. more. So some of your treats are for training purposes, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. The doggy treats, the horse treats, they are actually utilised for for training and I guess to reward animals on good behaviour and whatever else that you're wanting to do. Yeah, when we first started Hudson Toke, we basically started the horse treat industry in Australia because you couldn't buy any. It was just carrots and apples. You couldn't import them because of the biosecurity rules. And because of my passion for horses, I thought... I really want to make a horse treat. Unbelievable. It's just amazing. I know you grew up on a cattle farm near Lockyer Valley. How much did your upbringing inspire your career in Petrick? It was massive. I was always bringing home animals from boarding school, whether it was the biology chickens or people's guinea pig babies. Mum would pick me up from boarding school and I'd have a menagerie ready to take home with me. People would be giving away horses because they couldn't handle them, so I'd take them on. We used to have about 15 horses, Wow! thanks to me. (laughs) Yeah. But luckily we had the land to do it. I was always the one going down the paddock in my bare feet, catching my dad's horses, saddling them up for him so that he could come riding with me. Nice. So So it was a crop and cattle farm, so were you... Mustering cattle with stock horses, or yeah, just mustering yeah. with stock horses. I refused to learn to ride a motorbike, yeah, so that we always had to ride horses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was great. It is a wonderful upbringing. I had a similar experience growing up, and there's so many different types of horses, isn't there? There's a thoroughbreds, and you know, all, all the beautiful, beautiful ponies and horses, but. That was how I grew up. Just my dad, we'd muster on an old stock horse. And often they would have salvaged them from going sometimes to some other demise. Yeah. And brush them and yep. wash them and go in the dam and ride on their backs in the <laughs> bareback in the, oh, into the dam. <laughs> I know. How and good. Lots of fun. Absolutely. 
So you studied animal production at UQ at Gatton. What's that degree leave you with and what's involved in that? It was a lot of hands-on work and probably a lot of nutrition, obviously, because animal production is all about nutrition, especially in the grazing animal world. So I studied a lot about that kind of thing. I was originally going to go on to be a vet, but at all my work experience, Prax, I did not handle the surgery side that well. Fair enough. Yeah. A little bit of fainting going on. Oh, Emma. Yeah. Yeah. It's not for everyone, is it? No, it's not. No. There's lots of different ways that you can be involved in. Yeah. Yeah. So this is my journey was to create beautiful products for animals instead. And your husband, Russell, is obviously your husband and wife team. And you've got two boys. Yes. Two children as well. Arthur and Barclay. So did Russell have similar background to you with growing up on the land? Yeah, Yeah. he grew up out at Miles in Western Queensland and we met at university. So he was studying agribusiness and he'd already studied stock feed manufacturing. So we had a bit of that animal nutrition background right from the beginning. We did a lot of other things in between and yeah, we've been a strong couple ever since. So how do you go husband and wife team working together? How do you, how does that work out? Yeah. So we have our definite roles in the business and we don't cross over too much and we trust each other in those roles implicitly. So when he makes a decision within his role, I trust that he makes the right decision and vice versa. And that way, yeah, it just seems to work. We leave any issues at work and we don't bring it home, which is massive. It is a learnt behaviour. Yes, I I would understand (laughs) that would be very much, very hard to walk away and leave issues at the door, isn't it? It's not always easy to do that. So good on you if you found a way to do that so that you can focus on your family. Yeah, well, that's right. And that is like our number one thing is our family. And then this is our third child is Hudson Toke. So it is all consuming to a point, but we have learnt to leave it at home a little bit. Yeah. So you were involved in the pet industry before you created Hudson Toke, yes. What year was it that you established Hudson Toke, and what was the journey in the lead up to that? So you went to university, you grew up on the land, you have that expert knowledge and understanding about nutrition and and animals. You worked in the, what was your involvement in the pet industry, and how did that lead into the establishment of Hudson Toke? Like, what was that influence? So we had I had done other various businesses over the years within the agricultural industry, like mostly like I used to run all the picking crews in Gatton and Stanthorpe and Bundaberg. Picking crews as in for the crops in the area, so just the small crops and fruit and that sort of thing because it's a very, it's a real food bowl, isn't it, of Mm. Queensland, the Gatton and and those other regions. Yeah, absolutely. So we used to do all the McDonald's lettuces and things like that. And then I had another couple of businesses in the beauty and detox industry. So I got into alternative health and I think that actually helps feed my interest in the recipes and the healthy products that we do make. So I think that was a bit of a lead in there. I Obviously having a massive passion for pets and animals my whole life, it was always going to bubble to the top at some stage. And then we got into wholesale, wholesaling pet treats as a, like a basic product to pet shops and produce stores, mostly based around pig ears. That was the the high trading commodity back then. That was probably in 2010. And by 2012, we realized that there's a massive gap 
in the market for heartfelt products that was missing in the Australian market. And so we decided to venture on and get into like the birthday side of things and more bake products so that people could photograph, you know, a pretty cake with their dog instead of a dirty pig ear or Mm. something like that and share a really special moment. So it's been a really long, hard journey just to get people's minds around giving their dog just a pig ear rather than celebrating a special moment with their dog. But Australia's come a long way in the last... We're much more sophisticated oh, now, aren't we? so much more. Yeah, it used to be hard just getting them out of selling a pig ear. Be like, there are other things out there. No, just a pig ear. I'm like, there are other things that are healthier for a dog. Mm. Yeah, so it's been a real learning journey. Yeah, I'm sure. For Australia so, as well. <laughs> so how did you even start and who was the piggy... <laughs> The guinea piggy that would taste test. So the ingredients, let's talk about the ingredients of some of these products that you create. And how did you even start? Like you get a mixing bowl out and in the kitchen? Yeah, literally a mixing bowl, a rolling pin. And we used to just make tiny little batches, roll them up, cook them in the oven at home. What were you putting into... The cake. Say it's a horse's cake. Well, let's make a horse's cake. Why not? Let's just sit down and make a horse. Yeah, well. What do you, where do you start? You go to the pantry, open the door and go, hmm, self-raising flour. Mm, or <laughs> how does that even start? Yeah, so, well, I know horses love molasses, so that was a late ambazaire. So, and we wanted to make it a product that is shelf-stable as well. That That's probably the hardest part is trying to develop a product that has no preservatives in it and is shelf-stable enough for pet stores or shops to sell and know that the product's going to look good on the shelf, remain looking good for a period of time until it sells, and then when the person drives it home in a hot car or whatever, that they're going to be able to give it to their horse or dog and know that it's going to look amazing for what they just paid for. So, And it, animals like dogs, there's particular things they can't eat because different foods can be toxic to dogs. Yes. I understand chocolate can be troublesome, other elements, onion, things like that. Yeah, grapes. I suppose you would know grapes. Yeah. So how do you kind of come up with the recipes and understand or how do you ratify, I guess, that the products that you're using are healthy dog treats? Yeah, I do Um, a lot of research in the background. And so instead of – we wanted to create products that – look ideal for the human eye so that when you look at it, you go, oh, I would really like to eat that. Could you? Yeah, it's totally fine for a human to eat. It just will taste very bland because it's got no sugar and salt and usually pretty hard because they're based on dogs' jaws and teeth. So We'd be pretty selfish if we start sneaking the dog's (laughs) teeth. You wouldn't be a first. (laughs) My my kids nibble on them. They they come in and go, oh, can I have one? I'm like, sure. (laughs) Oh, well, I can remember as a little kid because I grew up in a farmhouse and we had this little broom, like a broom cupboard, and Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I would have been three or four years old and I remember it. It was sat at the top of the stairs just before the old wood stove and I remember sitting in that cupboard and closing the door, eating cat biscuits. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I ate dog biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> they were really good. Uh, they were good. Yeah. Uh, I'd hate for my kids to do that now. <laughs> uh, just still on nutrition and ingredients, I recall some of your dog treats have peanut butter in them. That's great. And so my daughter, Sophie, yes. has a severe nut allergy and we can't have nuts. Yeah. 
And I said to you, Emma, would you be able to create a product without nuts so that mm. we can enjoy your treats because I, I don't bring anything into my house with nuts in it because of Soph and it's just because she would have an anaphylactic. It's life-threatening. Yeah. Anyway, you did. You whipped up a, a product without peanut butter and I was really super chuffed about that. Yeah. And, yeah, so We've what, got a couple now. So yeah. we do like a doggy crackle which has no peanut butter in it but still has that really aesthetic look that looks just like a chocolate crackle but made for dogs. Yeah. And then we have quite a range of training treats yeah, like that as well. That's great. Any gluten-free? No. We've got grain-free. <laughs> <laughs> Special dietary requirements for our animals. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, dear. So what other sort of out-of-the-norm products are you creating for our animals and outside of just the treats? So you have the mats and the snuffle balls. and Yeah, so- I get a local person to manufacture them for me So and she supports like a greyhound rescue as well with that. So that's good. And that... It's a great a complement to the treats, so it works really well. And, yeah, basically most, most of our stuff is all manufactured pet treats. So you manufacture at Coolum Beach on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. How do you find manufacturing on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, in Australia, and do you source most of your products in Australia? In yep. Australia. And yep. how, do you find, how are you finding the manufacturing industry here? And yeah. I'm sure you would have found some challenges, but it's so important that we do highlight and support our Australian manufacturers, particularly our local ones. And we're very, very thrilled that you're one of our locavore suppliers here on the Sunshine Coast, Emma, which is just wonderful. But yeah, in, in general terms, the manufacturing industry has let a lot of challenges. Oh. How do you navigate those? And what sort of things do you apply to sort of get through some of those challenges? Yeah, it's been a really, really hard journey getting into manufacturing. We did have a mentor originally who helped us and his words were, if you find yourself sitting in a gutter crying, you're on the right track. And we, yeah, we reminded ourselves of that many times when the recipes wouldn't go right or we couldn't get the machines to work. Because obviously, as you grow, you buy machines and then you have to adapt your recipes accordingly. And quite often they don't work the way you think. So using a different method, even though you might use the same ingredients, using a different method, utilising machinery for efficiencies. Absolutely. To increase your volume because you're building capacity. That's right. Then you've got a new challenge that you never every single time. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of hand kneading something suddenly. So, yeah, tell me how, how on earth do you navigate that and adjust and adapt? Because our products are made for dogs as well, so we're not going for a soft shortbread. We're going for a, a hard cookie that's going to withstand a dog's jaw and when you give it to a dog, you're going to watch it enjoy it for more than three seconds ideally. So our product is so different from the normal dough. We had bakers come in. We had like our flour supplier sent their professionals in and just put their hands in the air and went, I don't know how you can do this. We've never seen a dough like it. So it's been just trial and error and absolute persistence and just thinking, I'll just make it work. It just has to work somehow. And then we just work out our systems around the dough and it has worked. And yeah, it's I should absolute you, persistence. <laughs> I should give you my scone recipe because I can guarantee there'll be rock cakes. <laughs> 
But I don't even know if the dog would eat. And how many how many treats do you have in the range now? Because you would have built oh, up quite sorry. a number now since, say, 2010 years you've been innovating, creating, mm. broadening your range. So Across the range we'd have at least probably 100 different products. It's probably almost too many, but every time I go to chop a few out, they get popular again. So, yeah, we just keep on creating and adjusting because different dog breeds come into effect, like all the cavoodles and stuff that have happened as a result of COVID in a thing poodle cross. So we have to sort of adapt the size of the cookies to suit the different breeds and that kind of thing as well and what people perceive to be right for their pets. So, Do you have a doggy at home? I've got two. I've got Odin and Pepper. And what's their breed? A husky Kelpie cattle dog cross with Pepper. Goodness. And a Kelpie border collie cross. Oh, they'd be really intelligent doggies. Oh, they're they? so smart. Yeah. All the personality. Yeah, they're awesome. So it's not just food treats that you offer. You're essentially a one-stop pet party shop. Yeah. But where can people have a look at what your range is and where can they buy some of your goodies? And tell us about some of the other things that you have other than pet treats to celebrate our Beautiful furry friends. Yeah, so we have awesome support from a lot of retailers, obviously White's IGA, a lot of local pet stores, produce stores, cafes, because a lot of people bring their dogs for coffees. Some of our cafes sell so many little doggy donuts or little ice cream cookies to share that moment with their dogs. And we also have our online store which is hudsontoke.com.au. So we have our own little party shop on there. So that is party hats, a happy birthday, bandanas, bunting, tablecloths that go with the party. So quite a lot of people do put on a big fair for their dog's birthday. I saw one just recently and they did a Nemo theme and then had all our like crackles out for their dogs. Like they have the human spread. Then they have the dog spread for like the 10 pups that obviously can all get party. on. Yeah. They do little doggy bags and things like that, which is adorable. Doggy bag. That's a real doggy bag. That is a real it? doggy bag. Yeah. And I could just imagine the little chihuahua sitting up there with a pink tutu on. Oh, yeah. We do pink tutus too. Absolutely. It's just quite amazing oh. how many people like go all out. Yeah. Just, just for that one photo of that special moment, it's just adorable because dogs can only handle it for so long. But. It just brings so much joy to people's lives. Oh, I just love everything about it. It's absolutely gorgeous. And then your kids must just enjoy this so much. And I'm sure they probably give you ideas as well. Oh, absolutely. Through conversation. Yeah, they're turning into quite the little entrepreneurs, I think. So Yeah. You've been awarded many, many well-deserved awards for innovation, business of the future, you were named Sunshine Coast Businesswoman's Network Micro Small Businesswoman of the Year in 2014, Emma. Congratulations. Thank you. What's been your proudest moment of what you've achieved so far on this journey and what brings you joy? I think obviously the ultimate joy for us has just been seeing the photos and getting the messages of people enjoying those special moments with their animals that just makes it so worthwhile because they think enough of our products to share it with their friends, their family and the rest of the world, which I think is just the ultimate compliment to our products. Obviously winning all the awards, especially when we've had a lot of people tell us we're on the wrong track many times. So to receive these awards has been 
nice for us to know that someone out there believes in the vision that we have. So just getting that off the ground has been amazing and just having the little brand out there. Yeah, I think awards are really important to just reassure yourself you are on the right track. You're right because sometimes there's some naysayers and we can be influenced by people that are being negative. Mm. If we're feeling at a vulnerable moment or, or, you know, things aren't going so great, crash hot or whatever. So it's a real validation, isn't it, that you're on the right track and that, yes, your strategy is good and mm. it is solid and but it also provides a platform to be able to promote your business and you can't sell a secret, Emma, can no. you? You know, and nobody will sprout about it like you do. Yeah wholeheartedly from shouting off the rooftops and so they do play a really important part of of growth. Yeah and I think well we had so many people tell us even like last year we had someone tell us we are on the wrong track we're doing everything incorrectly with our brand in the meantime while we were talking to this person we were doing a deal with Krispy Kreme Now let's talk about that. (laughs) We're like oh are we really doing the wrong things? Tell us so This is really enormous. Mm. This very, very exciting collaboration that you've undertaken with Krispy Kreme Donuts. Yes. How did this come about and talk us through what the process and how you created this deal and what has happened since? Yeah, so in the beginning of 2021, we were contacted by Krispy Kreme Donuts Australia and She obviously had seen our products and thought that they looked awesome and said, do you think you could replicate some of our best sellers? I went, absolutely, I can. (laughs) So I came up with one that looked like the original glaze, so I had to do quite a bit of innovation to make the the frosting look quite opaque and, and pale but still provide that same quality of donut. And then I just went, they sent me all the pictures. I went, I can replicate these, no worries. And... Put it all together and right through the middle of COVID, all the shutdowns, but it was a really big success ultimately and they got heaps of PR out of it. Tell us, how long did it take to sort of develop the recipes and be able to replicate and achieve what it was that they were wanting to in the collaboration? And how did you come together to meet each other's needs and where are they distributed and what has that meant in terms of Hudson Toke and the Krispy Kreme? Yeah, so part of it, when they first rang, we thought, oh, they'll just want to put our donuts in their box and we won't get any recognition. And I went, we get asked that a lot and it's like stealing our products to, you know, fulfill someone else's brand. We went, well, we'll do it if we can do a collaboration. She said, 100%, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, no way, our brand would be beside Krispy Kreme's brand. She said, absolutely, that's what we want to do is support an Australian brand and support you guys as well, which is in our world is unheard of usually. So we're like, I will make this work. I, I spent a week working day and night just to make sure I had the right designs. I sent them down. They were thrilled. And then it had to we had to design it really quickly, which is, is never easy when you're dealing with a brand that has specific distances, things have to be apart. So I've learnt heaps with regards to design and all of that kind of thing. So yeah, they they were really stoked with all of that and put in a decent order. So it just went out to all the Krispy Kreme stores across Australia and was launched for International Dog Day last year. And it was such a success that we then got a phone call from Krispy Kreme America. And 
that was next level up. And they went, we want to do the same thing. We want to design the box a little bit differently. So that was a massive challenge in itself, working with their designers and what their expectations were. We still really wanted our brand on the box. So we fought hard to have it on the front of the box. And as you can see, so, I did bring a box for you. Yes, I know. I'm looking at this beautiful doggy donuts, baked treats with dogs, crispy cream donuts, made lovingly by Hudson Toke on the front. So is this the, the US version or That's the Australian? That's the US version. Wow, go And girl. then on the back is our whole logo. Yes. And the spruik that we're Sunshine Coast based, Queensland. Oh, that's amazing. Family-owned business. You're flying the flag for the beautiful Sunshine Coast, for in particular Coolum Beach. And it reads here, the team of at Hudson Toke are extremely proud of the awesome healthy dog treat creations we have lovingly made for the Krispy Kreme Donut family. Made in Australia for dog lovers everywhere. Manufactured at Coolum Beach, Australia. Woo-hoo, well done. I'm so proud. I'm so proud. That Thank would... you. We're proud too. Yeah. We can't believe it. Yeah. And here you are a line and you've got a... USA address on the back as well, which is obviously the home base of Krispy Kreme. Yeah, yep. And there you are aligned on the pack. Well done. That's just extraordinary. Yeah. So these this range here, is there any exclusivity with how it's distributed or is So that... it was it's essentially it was for the launch of International Dog Day, or they say National Dog Day in the USA. So it was distributed through thirty two states and to 340 stores across North America, and that includes Alaska and Hawaii. So that was pretty cool. I never thought our products would get to Alaska. I had to get a license for every single state in that we dealt with, mm. which was really eye-opening and interesting. They still only take check, and Australians do not do checks. So luckily we had a friend in the US who could help us. And, yeah, just dealing with the... the Obviously, we're in different time zones and their requirements for each individual state were different each and every time. It was a nightmare. <laughs> I'm sure. And even through COVID itself, I mean, apart from all of those other challenges, here you launched this product in the middle of COVID, a worldwide pandemic where there was disruption to supply, the supply network and distribution, freighting. Mm. Yeah, how did you get your product out and yeah, so we had essentially it was a really short time frame again because they're like, right, we need it done by this date. I'm like, holy cow, to send all that product over in a ship, they were saying it was going to take three months. I was like, we don't have that kind of time. So I actually sent it all with Australia Post direct to the 340 different stores. Wow. It was massive. I was their biggest customer Absolute. that month. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> I already had rolled. a phone call from Australia Post going, how can we do a better deal for you? You invited to the Christmas party. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Christmas, you do also a collaboration with the Crisco Hampers, don't you? Yeah, your- we did. Well, that was actually our first little venture as our brand. So we got a phone call from Crisco going, we love your Christmas treats and we'd love to include them into our pet hamper. And so that was our first real coup for our brand to be put alongside the likes of Smackos and Pedigree. And there was a little Hudson Toke logo in all the photos. So that was pretty cool. We were fairly stoked with that. Yeah, and we're stoked too to have your products on our shelves in our stores too. So locals can come in and buy a Sunshine Coast produced product if you're a local yourself or even if you're visiting something that you might want to take home and 
tell your friends that this was created here on the sunny coast and the extraordinary story behind it. And congratulations to you and Russell because it is a wonderful, wonderful story and something we absolutely celebrate with you and your success. And I'm cheering on the sidelines for you both. You're just such a beautiful couple. It's it's wonderful to share in the journey. Mm, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So what's your motto in life? What are the things that have influenced who you are today and who you represent as a person in your family and your inspiration? And what do you think is the main motto you live your life by? Attitude. So even in our wedding, we had the attitude poem or saying read out because 20% of life is what happens to you. 80% is how you react. So it's all about your attitude and your outlook. And that's how we keep ourselves in check continually and just try to have a really good attitude, whether it's towards whatever's happening in our life or whatever struggles appear, we just try and keep ourselves in check with that attitude. And how you view life and how you look at things. And I know there was another one of my guests, John Cochran from Kenilworth Dairy Sits, had a similar motto with attitude determines altitude. Mm. It's a similar philosophy, isn't it? It is true. It's how you look at things and how you break it down and how you navigate through the challenge. Everybody is challenged in some way in life, aren't they? It's yep. There's just differences between what that challenge is. I don't think anyone escapes. No. And that. I think, well, that that's one thing you can control in your life is how you react to certain situations. It's the only bit you can control, Yeah, basically. You're right. So that's sort of how I live my life and I know Russell's definitely on that par with me as well. And then for our factory, it's positivity equals productivity. Productivity equals positivity. So we have that as our little motto in our circles so that when they're making these beautiful treats for all our customers and our furry friends, they do it with a smile on their face because it's a positive product. That's a ripper. I love that one. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, that's our culture, 100%. It's just keep smiling and make pretty things and it shouldn't be anything but happy. Yeah. Well, you've enjoyed a lot of success with that attitude and that approach to life, Emma, and I wish you and Russell every success going forward as well and I know you'll continue to make us proud. What's on the horizon for Hudson Tote? Hopefully another massive US Krispy Kreme deal. (laughs) I don't know, like. Yeah, just keep making awesome products and keep putting smiles on people's faces and keep making the dogs and the horses and the other little animals of this world happy. That that at the moment is sort of where we're at. We're really enjoying just being here in this moment and celebrating these special milestones that we can make with our, our brand. I mean... We're even on the James Corden show, which was just amazing. I don't know how you how you top that, really. As that a, is pretty cool, huh? Yeah, with, that, with the Krispy Kreme donuts. So that's just been massive in itself. We're still on that high right now, I think. So, Well, you enjoy that high. You keep flying. Absolutely. Well done. Thank you Thank for you. coming in, Emma. It's oh. been a delight. Yeah, it's been lovely. Thank you for having me. Cheers. A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA.